0: We are reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. And in the book of Hebrews, what is happening is, this is a word to the people who lived in Judea around Jerusalem. This is in about 66 or 67 AD, shortly before the onslaught of Jerusalem. And he is warning these Jewish believers, people who have accepted Jesus, people who are Jewish and they've accepted Jesus as the Messiah, they are thinking about going back into Judaism because the persecution is becoming so heavy upon them. So the author of the book of Hebrews is saying you don't have that option. If you do, what's going to happen is you're going to end up going back into Jerusalem and you're going to get caught in a destruction of Jerusalem that had been prophesied by the Lord. And that ended up happening in 70 AD. He says, if you go back in there, you're going to end up losing your lives. So when he speaks about, you're going to lose, lose, you're you're not going to be saved. He's talking about your physical death. You're going to physically die if you go back. You don't have that option to go back. And he was ultimately successful, but he's taking them through the book of Hebrews and he's showing them through the book of Hebrews about the men of faith the men of faith, and he says you have to stand strong just as they stood strong, these men of faith. So he says in verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received them back as a type. So verse in, in verse 17 through 19, he gives this little capsule about Abraham. And he says, remember Abraham when he took his son up to the mountain. Now to you, you, to you and to me, this, we, we know the story of Abraham, but Jews really know the story of Abraham. They really study this a lot. What we're going to do is we're going to go back to the book of Genesis and study, the book, study this event. But there's important things to pick out here. That by faith, all of this happened by faith, Abraham was tested. He didn't know it was going to be a test. We look back on this and we say, oh, he was tested. When it hit Abraham, he didn't know it was going to be a test. He offered up Isaac, and he had received a promise. The promise was, in Isaac your descendants will be called. So he was given a promise, and now all of a sudden this promise may be dashed. And then it says, Abraham considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead. How would he know that? There had been no resurrections. We know that because we see the resurrection of Jesus. We see Jesus had resurrected Lazarus. We have examples in the Scriptures of resurrections. He had no such example. Now let's look back in in, in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, reading from verse 1. This same story now. In the book of Genesis. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering, and he rose and he went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together Then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by the, by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. So let's look back at verse 1. Now it came about after these things. There's a progression here, especially in the life of Abraham, the book of Genesis, where it follows quite sequentially in his life. He says it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. Again, Abraham didn't know that this was going to be a test. We know it. He didn't know that. This to him is life. God tests us and we don't know it to be a test. It's just life come upon us. And he said to him, Abraham, this is the first time he ever called the name Abraham. Before he had said, he said, I will take you, Abram, and I will do thus and thus with you. But now he's given him a new name and he never even called him Abram. He said, I will do this and this with you, Abram. But now he calls him by name. And again, the first time he uses this long name, Abraham, which God himself gave him. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Again, at your service, Lord, here I am. He knew the voice. He knew the voice of God. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. Take now your son, your only son. Well, I thought he had another son, Ishmael. But remember, he had to release Ishmael formerly when Ishmael was right about 16 years old. He had to release him. God ends up taking care of Ishmael through the revelation from an angel. It's going to be another angel that's going to speak. This time the angel of the Lord that's going to take care of this son. But he says to him, take now your son, your only son. Because as far as Abraham knew, Ishmael was gone. His other son was already gone. You've taken my other son? And now you want to take this one too? Think about that. What does God call us to? What is life like walking with the Lord? We have these treasures and they can be gone. But for Abraham, will he take the gift? Or will he take the gift giver? Will we accept God for who He is? That we are going to take the gift giver. The gifts are wonderful that He gives us in life. But are we going to take those? Over the one who gives them? Take now your son, your only son, whom you love. Lest we think, well, in those days they didn't really understand love like we love today. No, God makes it very clear. Take your son whom you love. I know you love this kid. Whom you love, Isaac. And he names him, just in case Abram Abraham thought of maybe taking some, Isaac, that one. And go to the land of Moriah. Moriah is the place where Jerusalem sits, but there's many mountains there. You have the hill on which the old city of Jerusalem is, that, that Mount Moriah it's called. But there's many other hills around it that are, that are almost equal in size to it, in, in height to it. And in fact, there are other ones higher than it. He says, you go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Of which I will tell you. In other words, there's other words that God's going to be speaking. It's not the complete revelation. God said, other words are going to come. You've got to step out now. You step out and when you get there, I'll tell you which one of those mountains. God gives us little bits in our life. He never maps out the whole thing. If you want to have your whole life mapped out, you're going to be sorely disappointed. It's not going to happen. You want to have your whole career mapped out? It's not going to happen. He gives us manna for the day. He gets us through that day. He says you offer Him there as a burnt offering. As a what? Remember, there there may be more dialogue here that we're not getting, but this is what God feels we need to know. Offer Him there as a burnt offering. There there was no, prior to this, there was no words on, on child sacrifice. That comes later. And God's detesting of it comes in the book of uh, of Leviticus. And God calls Him to do this very practice that there were other peoples around that did it, even though the Scriptures didn't talk about it. But God never had Him carry it out. God never had him do the very thing that he detested. But he said, offer him there as a burnt offering. And Abraham knows because he had had burnt offerings. There had been burnt offerings, but never of a child mentioned in the Bible to this point. Burnt offerings were animals. But he knew what a burnt offering meant. It means you cut the throat and then you set them on fire. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. God speaks a word that's not always comfortable. What is the writer of Hebrews telling them in Hebrews chapter 11? Life is difficult. You're going through suffering, but there are people who have gone before you. If you think you are going through suffering, look at the life of Abraham. His one son gets sent away in front of him, and then he being as good as dead at that. There had been no examples of resurrections other than in his own life, he being as good as dead at that, and in Sarah's life, he having a child, Isaac, at the age of a 100, and and, and uh, Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. And he said, go off from on the mountain. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He didn't tell Sarah. There's no way Sarah was going to allow this to happen. No way. He knew better than to tell her. Remember, Sarah said, get that... Son of 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 uh, Hagar, out of here! And God said, "Listen to your wife." He wasn't about to tell Sarah about this. Sarah never would have let this happen. Abraham rose early in the morning. It's interesting because remember, when God had said, when when, when he had had this this revelation, where three angels, one of them being the angel of the Lord, because because Abraham had fallen down. Before him, and the angel of the Lord never said, get up. Regular angels would always say, get up. When it speaks of the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, that generally means an appearance of the Lord Jesus. This is God coming himself. When the angel of the Lord had come to Abram and said, I'm going to go destroy Sodom. What did Abram do? What did Abraham do? He appealed. He pled with the Lord. He said, if there be 50 righteous, will you not spare that place? Let me try. What if there just be 40? There was no appeal here. He had appealed to God regarding Sodom. But immediately, what's going through the man's mind? The Lord doesn't reveal this. But the man acted in amazing faith. So Abram rose early in the morning. And remember, the New Testament tells us that he was functioning purely on logic. He reckoned that God is able even to raise the dead, even before there had ever been a resurrection in the Bible. So Abram rose early in the morning. He didn't wrestle with this for days. There was an immediate act of obedience to the will of God. Immediate act of obedience. He rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering. Abraham himself split the wood upon which he was going to offer his son. Abraham himself split the wood. And remember, how much wood does it take to offer up a human being that's alive, that now you've freshly killed? I mean, it's not a little twig. What do you need, 30 pounds of wood? You need, you need a substantial amount of wood. He split the wood himself. Imagine when he's splitting the wood, what's going through his mind? This is the wood that's going to burn up my son. And it says, it says that he, he split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and he went to the place of which God told him. And on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and he saw the place from a distance. From Beersheba, we know he was in Beersheba, because down in in, uh, in, in verse 19 of that same chapter, it says they returned to Beersheba. Well, where is Beersheba? Well, Beersheba exists today. Uh, Ben-Gurion University is there. I've been there many times. And, and, and the distance by driving from Beersheba to Jerusalem today is 62 miles. That's the distance by driving. If you were going to walk, you could do it a little bit more directly. Let's just say 50 miles. That's a three-day journey. But it says on the third day they looked up and they saw it. Now you can be 10 miles away from Jerusalem and you can see the mountain of Jerusalem. So it says he saw it from a distance. And Abram said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey and I, the lad, will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Remember just above it had said that when you get there, I'll tell you which one of the mountains. You just go to the land of Moriah. We never have an account here where God said to A- Abraham, it's this particular mountain. So obviously God is speaking other things to Abraham that we're not, just not getting it. He says, "He says, uh, uh, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go with you. He said to his young men. Now many people say that that they believe that that, uh, um, that Isaac was in his mid-thirties because he was a type of Christ and Christ died in his mid-thirties. There is no indication of that in the Bible. And in fact, it says right here, it says that he refers to young men, but to this one, his own son, he calls him a lad. If you look up in the direct translation of lad, it says youth, lad, boy. And it's the same word that's, that's, that's used, used above that, that uh, uh, when, when he, he, says, he says that, that uh, um, he went and he took his young men and Isaac his son. Now here he says it is a lad. So he's clearly telling us that this is a young boy. So he's younger than a young man. Some think that he was the same age that Ishmael was when Ishmael had to depart, which was at about 16. All that we know is for sure he is less than 37 or 38 because Sarah died when she was 127. So that would have made him, made Isaac 37 or 38. But we know he was a lad just by this portion. Whether he was 12 or whether he was 16, we don't know for sure. But there are other clues here. He says, we're going to go up there and we're going to worship and we'll come back to you. And then he says... He says, Abram took the wood of the burnt offering in in verse 6 and he laid it on Isaac, his son. He laid the wood on the back of his son. You see, just like Jesus bore a cross, he laid the wood on the back of his son. Abraham laid the wood on the back of his son. If, I think if his son was in his mid-30s and the father then being 135, the son would have just taken the wood and put it on his own back. This was a lad. He put the wood on his son's back. He says, you're going to carry your own wood. That's exactly what the father said about Jesus. The pain that Abraham is going through Watching his son go on this march is exactly what our God went through when he saw his son marching to the cross. He put the wood on his back for the burnt offering and he laid it on his son and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. Abraham carried the fire, the oil with the fire going, and the knife. If the man were thirty-five, he stick the knife in the sheath, throw the wood on his back, and carry the wood, and, and say to his father, just ride on the donkey, I'll, I'll take you along. But anyway, so obviously this was, this was a younger, this was a young kid. So the two of them walked on together. The two of them walked on together. This word of the two of them going together is this word yachtad, which means, which means a tremendous oneness. The father and the son were one together. Together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, This is the first mention in all Scripture of a son and a father having a conversation. This is the first mention of it. My father, he said. Look at this. He says, my father. It's not just father. It's my father. Look at the depth of this relationship. My father. And Abraham says, and he says, here I am, my son. The same response that he gave to God, here I am, at your service, my son, my son. This is what I say to my sons in my most endearing times. with I say, my son, my son, my son. You wonder what's going through Abraham's mind. Isaac is clueless. Isaac has no idea. They're just going up. But Isaac understood burnt offerings. Isaac understood going with his father to worship. If he was That wasn't foreign to him. Not at all. Because he says, and he said to him, Behold the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? If, if the guy had been in his 30s, before they ever left the house in Beersheba, he would have said, Hey, Pop, you know, we're going to need a lamb for this journey. Kids don't think about stuff. And here, here they were, here they were, in, in, in you know, just about to get there. And the kid says, uh, don't, "Don't we need a lamb here?" So he was familiar with this, but teenagers don't think about the details of, of travel. Again, showing that this is a young guy. And Abraham said, "God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son." Think about your experiences in life. Lord, I wish you'd give me more explanation about what's going on. And the explanation is, God will provide the land. I'll provide it when you need it. The explanation will come when you need it. You go through certain things. Our church has gone through so much, so many people impacted by Hurricane Harvey. We don't have explanations for these things. We don't know why. So much he doesn't tell us other than God will provide it when you need it. You want explanations in life? Welcome to the world of the great men of faith. Explanations don't come. Job was not given an explanation. God just appeared to him and said, I am who I am, talked about his greatness, and Job said, it is enough. You you don't owe me anything more. I retract, I sit in sackcloth and ashes. God does not give us explanations. You lose a loved one. God doesn't give explanations. We just have to trust Him for who He is. That's exactly what Abraham was giving to his son. No real explanation other than you're going to have to trust God, son. You're going to have to trust God. And his son accepts it. He doesn't say, oh, Come on, Dad. Come on. I mean, really. We're going up this hill. You're not going to have me chase down some goat and try to catch this thing, a while goat. What are you talking about? He accepts it from his father. His father puts the wood on his back. He accepts it. His father said, God will provide the lamb. He accepts it. The first conversation between a father and a son in Scripture. So the two of them walk on together. Again, this word togetherness, of walking on together, the two of them. This amazing oneness, this is is, is is this oneness. The two of them were one. Jesus and His Father were one on the way to the cross. The Father was with Him. Then they came to the place of which God had told Him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. It was Abraham who arranged the wood for the burning of His Son. It was God who allowed the cross to be set up for His Son. It was It is God who allows things in our lives. And He bound His son Isaac. This is the first indication that Isaac knows something is wrong here. Now if Isaac were 12 or 14 years old, and Abraham's 112 or 114, there is no way that Abraham can catch Isaac if Isaac doesn't want to be caught. And remember, Isaac grew up in the Beersheba Desert. You go to Beersheba, and you look at that desert, and you'd be like, I am so hoping that my car does not break down. It is quite foreboding. And this kid lived in that desert. You take a kid in their environment who's 12 or 14 years old, they run like gazelles. Can you imagine Abraham? Isaac, Isaac. I mean, there's no way he's gonna be able to catch Isaac. No way. You wonder what, what's the discussion? Let me tie you up. Let me tie you up. And you know, it's interesting. It doesn't say it in any of our English Bibles, in English. Back up at the top, when he said, he says, take now your son, your only son. The word there is, please take your son. It is request and not a command. If you look in the, in, in the Young's translation, it will say, which is the direct translation, it will say, I pray thee, take thy son. I pray thee. It is a common expression in the King James Bible. It is like, please. This was an appeal. It wasn't a command to Abraham. And even based on an appeal. Isaac is submitting to his father's binding him. He's submitting to his father's binding him. He takes him. And he bound his son and he laid him on the altar. I'm telling you, if Abraham were 135 and Isaac 35, there is no way he's laying him on the altar. This was not a full-grown man. Abraham laid him on top of the altar of wood. There's no hesitation. Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. What is the trauma within this kid? What does Isaac bear from this trauma of being bound? And he knows what the next step is after binding and then sees his father pick up the knife with no hesitation. You talk about PTSD. What's this kid going through? Think about that. Total submission to his father. He doesn't speak a word in protest. Isaiah 53, it says of Jesus, he was like a lamb led to the the slaughter. He did not cry out. He bowed to his father's will. That's exactly what Isaac is doing. The relationship that they must have had there was exceedingly close. All Isaac had to do was to say, my father, And Abraham was, I'm I'm here, your son. I'm here, my son. What would you like? The depth of relationship that they had. But remember now, Abraham is being tested. He trusted God earlier. God said, through your son, through your own son, I'm going to give you. And now he had his own son. Had he somehow departed a little bit from trusting God because now he could just rely on his son? Now he has to offer him up. But an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, again, he calls him by name. This is now just the second and the third time he calls him by name. But twice, Abraham, Abraham, emphatic. He said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now I know. Didn't God already know? Now I know. I had a dialogue with with Professor Lennox just last night. I, we we were in his room. I he was I was talking about this portion that I was going to be speaking about today, and I said I had been meditating on this portion all week. He says, "Oh, I've meditated on that as well, and I've taught from it." So we were just dialoguing, and it was so rich just to see what 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 what, what God was doing. And he, he reminded me of this expression that that uh, 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 th- this, this faith that we have is for God. The, the works that we do are to demonstrate that to man. But there's nothing like that in the Bible. In fact, it says in the, in the epistle of James, as Dr. Lennox reminded me last night, that Abraham was justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac. He was justified by the works. Here... This is, this is an, a Christophany. This is an appearance of Jesus Christ when it says, the angel of the Lord. He says, now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you fear God. Well, didn't you know it before? No, now I know it because you're willing to offer up your son. As we follow through on the things that God has for us, now He knows that we really fear God. It is not simply a state of mind. It is following through on what God has for us. By this He knows that we fear Him. Then Abraham rose and saw saw a ram caught in a thicket. Skipping on down to verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. The Lord Will Provide. The Lord Provides. The Lord Will Provide. If I can leave you with something today, it is trust the Lord. Trust the Lord in whatever you go through. Trust the Lord in what what you are going through, and then the promise comes. The promise comes, and in verse seventeen it says, or or, or in 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 verse, I'm sorry, in verse fifteen. But then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. And he renewed the promises. By myself I had sworn. That shows us this angel was the angel of the Lord. He swears by himself. Trust the Lord with what you are going through. There may be no explanation but He owes us no explanation because He is God. We are not. He is in heaven. We are on earth. And God is faithful. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. Lord, thank You for the demonstration through the life of Abraham. And Father, I pray for these people here precious people, so many of them have gone through so much, Lord, I pray that they too would remain faithful and be about the works that you have for them, even if they have no explanation, but that they would trust you. Father, I pray that you strengthen them and cause them to trust you. And Father, I pray for these precious people that you give them a love for your word to meditate upon Your Word, to see the truth of Your Word, and to be strengthened through Your Word. For the glory of Jesus and in His name. Amen.